0: There was once a man who was making a long car journey and inevitably uh, he came to the point where he needed to stop for petrol and after refuelling he was driving for uh, a further five hours or so before he realised that he had left something behind and that something was a someone. Uh, he had forgotten his own wife. Uh, he had to contact the police. This was the days before mobile phones. Um, and he had to uh, contact the police to help him uh, contact her. And when he finally did, he admitted with great embarrassment that he simply hadn't noticed her absence. Now, we might think, well, that's ridiculous. <laughs> How could you possibly forget your own? Spouse. In the Bible, uh, we read of something far more ridiculous, uh, something far worse, something far more serious. Uh, In Isaiah chapter 1, verses 2 to 3, God speaks to his people, Israel, and he says to them, Hear, O heavens, And give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. The ox knows knows its owner, and the donkey its master's crib. But Israel does not know. My people do not consider. We think it would be crazy for a husband to forget his wife, or a wife to forget their husband, but children of Israel had forgotten Their God. They had forgotten their God who had redeemed them from Egypt, who had brought ten plagues on the Egyptians, and as the Bible says, with a mighty hand, had brought them out of Egypt. They had forgotten how he had fed them with quails and with manna from heaven in the wilderness, how he had caused their sandals not to wear out. Uh, They had forgotten how he had parted the Red Sea and had them cross over on dry land, and then had the waters come back and destroy the Egyptian army. They'd forgotten all of God's wonderful works in their lives. again, Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 32 says, "'Can a virgin forget her ornaments, or a bride her attire? "'Yet my people have forgotten me days without number.'" What bride has turned up to her wedding in jeans, forgetting to wear her wedding dress? Uh, None. And yet, Israel have forgotten their God, the most precious person in their lives. But sadly, uh, the story of Israel is really the story of all of us. We can't look back on Israel and say, oh, how foolish. Uh, perhaps we can, but we can't do it without hypocrisy. And because the truth is, we too forget God. Uh, the God who gave us life. The God who gives us life. Uh, the God who gives us the good things that we enjoy in this world. Uh, the God who, if we are a believer this morning... The God who has forgiven us and washed us and given us eternal life in Christ Jesus. Uh, the God who came to this world to die for us. And yet so often, um, sometimes we even go through a whole day without even thinking of him. We can be as forgetful as Israel was. And the fault doesn't lie with God. Um, the reason we forget God isn't because he is forgettable. Uh, it's not because he is absent. Uh, God has revealed himself in many ways to us. There was a famous book written uh, in the last century uh, called There is a God and he is not silent. Uh, God has made it abundantly clear who he is. And we see that uh, in this passage that we read in uh, Joshua chapter Uh, 4. God knew that the people of Israel were in danger of forgetting him despite all that he had done for them in rescuing them from Egypt, keeping them through the wilderness, uh, parting the Red Sea, parting the River Jordan. And so he took steps to help them to remember him. Uh, They had been on a long journey. Uh, They were... Tired, And perhaps they had seen the Jordan River as an insurmountable obstacle. Remember, this was the generation after the generation that had crossed the Red Sea. Uh, this generation of Israel had not seen their parents cross the Red Sea. And perhaps they would see this Jordan River as a step too far. But again, God tells them, do not be afraid. And he instructs the priests to walk into the River Jordan And as the priest's feet touch the water, the waters are drawn back. Uh, God, as it were, creates a dam upstream and the Israelites can cross over on dry land. And the priests stand with the Ark of the Covenant in the middle of the Jordan until everyone has crossed over. And once the people have crossed, uh, God commands Joshua to take 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan River. Uh, The place which just a few minutes previously, or perhaps a few hours previously, had been underwater uh, beyond the reach of any at that time. God tells them to pick up 12 stones, put it on their shoulder, and to make a monument which will ever after be a memorial to what God accomplished in parting the River Jordan. Uh, If you're curious about what the picture is on the front of your service sheet, it's supposed to be a rock, a stone. The printer didn't come out quite so well as I hoped. Um, But it's a stone to remind us of what God instructed these Israelites to carry these great heavy stones to the middle of the Jordan River and to make a monument so that ever after they would remember. So that when their children ask them, when they're walking by the Jordan River and they see this big pile of stones... And they asked, what do these stones mean? Their parents were able to tell them that it was when God parted the Jordan so that he might give the promised land to his people. And yet, even so, the people still forgot. Despite this memorial, despite this wonderful, miraculous event, which you would have thought would have stayed in their memories Not just in the people who it happens to lifetime, but throughout the generations. Yet Psalm 78 verses 10 to 11 says, Israel did not keep the covenant of God. They refused to walk in his law and forgot his works and his wonders that he had shown them. They forgot. They forgot what God had done. Um, but perhaps you say this morning, oh, well, that's, that's, that's all very well for them, uh, but God hasn't done anything like that for us. Um, there's no pile of stones we can point to to see what God has done for us. So, what mighty miracle has God done and given us a, a monument to last through all the generations? Well, the truth is, God has <laughs> left a record. ...of his mighty deeds. Uh, Most of you have one in your hands right now... ...who have easy access to it. Uh, God has left us a full record... ...of his wondrous works and his mighty deeds. Now listen to what Romans chapter 15 verse 4 says. Romans 15 verse 4 says... ...whatever things were written before... ...were written for our learning that we, through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. Well, I think I've said this before, but I'll say it again. That's one of my favourite verses in the Bible. Uh, because Paul, in that verse, says, whatever was written in this book, anything from the book of Genesis right through to the book of Revelation, was written for our learning that we might have what? That we might have hope. That's why God wrote the Bible. Uh, He didn't write the Bible because He hates us and just wants us to memorize uh, something like a teacher in school wanting us to learn battle dates or whatever. God gives us His Word because He wants to give us hope, He wants to remind us of His wonderful deeds. He wants to remind us of his wondrous works. And so he instructs us to meditate on what he has told us. Again, Psalm 77 verses 11 to 12 says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your, words of, your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. This truly is our life. Or at the very least, it points us to Christ, who is our life, who was God's mightiest deed. Uh, When Christ came to this world and died on the cross, uh, we should be constantly feeding on this word because it tells us of the greatness and the magnificence and the wonder of God's. Let me go back again to the Old Testament, Deuteronomy. God told this to the people. He said, lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul and bind them as a sign on your hands, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children, speaking of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. And you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the lands of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give them like the days of the heavens above the earth. God says write these words on your doorposts. Uh, write them on the walls of your room so that when you wake up it's the first thing that you see. Uh, be thinking about them when you wake up. Be thinking of them as you go to sleep. It is these things which will sustain us. Uh, Reading God's word is not a chore, or it shouldn't be, Um, although it may feel like it at times. When God is teaching us to read his word, he's doing it for our benefit, that we might be strong, that we might be like a tree planted by rivers of water. Uh, I wonder, have you ever met a believer? Uh, who has gone through great pain and suffering in their life and yet you are amazed because they seem to have such faith and confidence even in the midst of it and you think how is that possible how is it possible to have faith and confidence even in the midst of the worst pain and suffering well the truth is it doesn't just happen It doesn't just happen by itself. Uh, Depend upon it, when you find someone like that, you'll discover that it's simply the fruit of years of digging deep into God's word, laying roots in what God has said. Uh, It's the fruit of daily meditating on what God says, who he is and what he has done. The truth is, and this is a hard truth perhaps to appreciate, but the truth is, what you do today will affect how you respond to the troubles of tomorrow. Uh, That is a reality of life. What you do today will affect tomorrow. Um, Every day isn't simply a blank slate. You are being formed into an image. What you do with God's words, what you do with God today, will have an effect tomorrow. And when we read, when we study, when we seek to understand the wonderful works of God, we are stockpiling, if you like, resources for the winter. We should be like squirrels burying the nuts in the ground, ready for when the winter comes. This is why it's important to remember, to memorise scripture, to have these things in our minds. Because although we may not need them necessarily right now, the time will come when we do need them. Uh, It's like storing oil in your lamps ready for the night. It's not only uh, through the Bible that we can stockpile help for the future. Uh, Many believers throughout history have found comfort through making records of God's wonderful working in their own lives. Um, I almost spoke on this passage instead of this one this morning, but a little later in the book of Samuel, uh, we read of how the Israelites were in a bad place. Uh, The Ark of the Covenant had been stolen by the Philistines, and they felt bereft, and they felt... Uh, at the complete end of their tether. But Samuel and the people pray to God, and God gives them a mighty victory against the Philistines. And Samuel, after the victory has been won, he takes a great stone and he uh, pours a drink offering on it, and he calls that stone Ebenezer. And Ebenezer means God is our help. And he tells the people, thus far has the Lord helped us. And he puts that great stone in that place where they won the victory so that ever after they might remember how God helped them. Do you have Ebenezer's in your life? Do you have points in your life where God helped you in some wonderful way? And you can point to that time and say, yes, God is for me. If he was for me then, he can be for me now. Uh, I'm told that Hudson Taylor, uh, the famous missionary to China, used to have two scrolls on his mantelpiece, and uh, written in ornate Chinese calligraphy on these two scrolls were just uh, two words. One was Ebenezer, the other was Jehovah Jireh, And if you don't know your Hebrew, uh, Ebenezer means, as I said, the Lord is our help. And Jehovah Jireh means the Lord will provide. And Hudson Taylor used to say uh, that it was upon past Ebenezer's that he built his Jehovah Jireh. In other words, he knew that God had provided in the past... Therefore, he knew God would provide in the future. Many a depressed person has found help by simply recording in a journal their walk with God and his dealings with them. And they have read back over their journals and have discovered with great surprise uh, that their dark days were not quite so long and not quite so frequent as they first thought. And God's help was greater than they had ever imagined. Uh, I don't know why it is. I don't know why it is about our brains, but we seem to remember bad things so much more easily than good things. Uh, when, th- we, when we're low, the, all the, the negative things and all the, the bad memories seem to spring to our minds and we forget all the grace. We forget all the benefits. We forget all the good things. And yet a simple record can help rectify that. Uh, Many a discouraged person has been encouraged how God has heard their prayers when they have written it down. Uh, C.S. Lewis, famous uh, Christian apologist of the last uh, century, uh, he wrote to a friend of his and he told him and he said, I have two lists of names in my prayers. He says, those for whose conversion I pray for, so he had a list of names of people he was praying would be saved, would come to know Christ, would come to have their sins forgiven through him. And then he had another list of people who had been converted, who had come to Christ, who had their sins forgiven. And he said this, he says, the little trickle of transferences from list A to list B is a great comfort. He wrote those names down and he had great joy when he could see names going from column A into column B. These things are all Ebenezer's. They are all written records. They are all records of God's wonderful works. And they're so crucial in our lives to remember God's power and God's goodness and God's grace. If you like, they're like markers we lay down on the way. And sometimes we're driven off course. Sometimes the events of life throw us for a loop. (laughs) We don't know what to do. Uh, Something hits us like a freight train. But those markers that have been laid down can help us back. They can help us back into the way. That was the purpose of this pile of stones that was the purpose of the ebenezer stone that samuel raised up that's the purpose of god's word that god gives us it points us back to him it reminds us in the dark that there is a light that's why we must stockpile it (laughs) that's why we must be constantly within it as christ himself said man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. But let me just close with a final story, uh, which illustrates the comfort that Ebenezer's, that memory of God's goodness, can bring. Uh, there was once uh, two men hiking in Wales, and as they were walking, they came across a shepherd boy in the mountains. He was keeping his sheep. And the travellers stopped and talked with him about shepherding. And the conversation turned to Psalm 23. The two hikers were Christian men. And one of the men taught the boy a way to remember the first five words of the 23rd Psalm. And he said, think of the five fingers on your left hand. Uh, Let each word stand for one Finger. Uh, you can remember Psalm 23, verse 1, by grasping each finger one at a time. Uh, your thumb stands for thee. Uh, your index finger stands for Lord. And they explained to him who the Lord was. They expi- explained who Christ was, who he was, and what he had done and what he accomplished on the cross, that whoever trusts in him could be saved. The third finger stands for is. The fourth finger stands for my. And the fifth finger stands for shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And they taught this young boy this wonderful truth. Well, the following year, the men returned on another hiking trip to the same area. And this time they stopped at a small house in the hills for a cup of tea. And on the table in this house, they saw a picture of the very boy they had met the previous year. Yes, said the woman who lived in the house. That was my son. He died last winter in a storm. He fell down a cliff and lay there a long time. Only later... Did we find him? But then she said this. There was something strange about it, though, uh, which we've never understood. When we found his body, his right hand was grasping the fourth finger of his left hand. And the men responded, we can explain that. And they told the mother what had happened the previous year. The boy, in gripping his fourth finger, was simply reminding himself that the Lord is my shepherd. That's the power of Ebenezer's in our life. They remind us who God is. They remind us who he can be for us. So don't neglect to dig deep into God's word. Don't neglect to take note of all the wonderful works in your life. Most of all, don't neglect to think of Christ. That's why remember the Lord's table every month, to remember what Christ has accomplished for us, because that will be a shelter for you when the storms come. And with those thoughts... Uh, I've chosen as our final hymn, number 664. Uh, 664. And you'll notice that word Ebenezer in verse 2. Uh, verse 2, the hymn goes, Here I raise my Ebenezer, hither by thy help I'm come, and I hope by thy good pleasure, safely to arrive at home. Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God, he to rescue me from danger, interposed his precious blood. So let's stand to sing 664.